the message tonight is a is an amazing insight into the the man Paul. Um, if you remember last we left him off, please turn with me. Let's 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 get into the word. This this is too wonderful a place to to miss the wonders of our Lord. If you remember, we're in Acts. Excuse me, for those of you that are visiting, we're in the 14th chapter of the book of Acts. And we, by, uh, by habit and by orders, we believe from the Lord Himself, we study the Bible line upon line, word after word, so that we can make sense of what the Lord is trying to teach us. And we have seen unfold the, 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 the missionary, the message of Christ through the apostles, the Acts of the Apostles in this great and wonderful book, the book of Acts. But we've come now to a place where, after God told all of them, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power, and you shall be, he says, my witnesses, in Jerusalem, and and then in Judea and Samaria, and then even to the uttermost parts of this earth. Well, we've come now to the uttermost parts of the earth in those days that Paul now, along with Barnabas, has gone from Antioch to Iconium, and, and they've, they've gone off now into a, a, a place called Lystra, Lystra. And there, Paul and Barnabas were treated as small g gods because the Lord gave Paul the ability to heal a man. If you remember last week, if you weren't here, we'll show you in a second. But he last week, he... He healed a man who had been lame from his mother's womb. The man had never once walked. And Paul said with a loud voice to the man, I believe to gather everyone's attention, stand up. And the man immediately, the Bible says, stood up and walked. Upon seeing that, as we studied last week, the people in Lystras called called Paul... Uh, Hermes and and they called Barnabas Zeus and the reason they did that as we studied and, and, and found out was history tells us that many years ago a poet wrote this this poem about about Zeus and Hermes that came to earth unannounced incognito and, and went from door to door seeing if the people would invite them in No one did, except for one couple, poor couple, asked them in. Afterwards, a flood destroyed the city, destroyed everyone except, you got it, the couple that invited them in. And so now the people don't want to be caught unaware. They want to say, well, if this is Zeus, if this is Hermes back again, let's let's celebrate them because what... Paul did by healing that man. They had never seen before. They had never seen anything like it. And now they're hearing a message that they had never heard before. A message of salvation. A message of of peace that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. They had never heard of this before. And all of a sudden many people believed. And if you remember, look at verse 15. Well... Actually, they were. it goes a little bit before that. But in verse 15, Paul and Barnabas saw what they were doing. They, they tore their robes and they ran out saying to them, Why are you doing these things? In other words, stop. It says in verse 15, We are also men of the same 
nature as you. Same nature, meaning we come from the very essence of of what you are. What all of us have in common. The same nature we all have, regardless if you be a person of no faith, or a person who is weak in their faith, or a person who is strong in their faith, or in this case, even the mightiest of apostles. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we all have the same nature. We have all sinned, and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, what Paul and Barnabas were teaching these people in Derby was, no, in, in Lystra, they, they, needed, they needed a Savior because they all had one thing in common, and that is they were all sinners, all of us needed to be saved by the grace of God. And so as we come to Acts chapter 14, we move from there to where they are exalting these two guys as gods. And watch what happens. Read with me from verse 18 to the end of the chapter. Even saying these things with difficulty, they tried to restrain the crowds from offering sacrifices to them. Verse 19 says, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he arose and entered the city. And the next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in their faith, and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they have believed." And they passed through Pisidia. They came to Pamphylia. I think it's pronounced that way. Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. Interesting. They have now made this journey from Antioch and now they've come back. They've come back to the very church that sent them out telling them to go and disciple. Go and Build the people. Bring people to Christ. And they did that. And now they've come back to report. And if you'll note again in verse 27, they reported the things that God had done with them and how God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. I say to you when we come into this message, this is a glorious day. It's a day that we celebrate the marriage of two people. We, we rejoice with one another. But this is also a day where some of you, 
Some of us are going through deep, deep waters. And we can be encouraged as we take a look at the life of Paul. How absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing would slow him down from the purpose that God called him to. And maybe that's going to be an encouragement to you and to me tonight. Who knows? Let's see what the Lord will do with this service. Let's pray and ask Him. Father God, it is the greatest privilege that we could ever imagine to lift up our voices and our hearts in one accord and praise You for who You are. It is the greatest privilege that given to man to be able to worship the God of this great creation. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who bring forth a son, who gave us a savior, Jesus Christ, who was very God of very God, who walked this earth, who lived so that we might see what it's like, who said things, Father, that moved us towards knowing him, or perhaps for some to reject him. And then, Father, allowed himself to be nailed to a cross, to die upon this cross and to be buried. And and three days later, as he had said, rose from the dead to show us that he is exactly who he said he was, giving us the opportunity to believe in him, giving us the opportunity to trust in him through whatever it is that we might be going through now because he is able. Lord, Would you please bless this time we have studying your word? Would you, Father, I pray, pray, move the person aside who's giving the message. Let us see your words, your thoughts, that we might uh, catch a glimpse of who you are in our own lives. Not a salvation that I have, but, Father, rather a salvation that each of us can own, each of us can possess. Please move me aside, dear Father. Illuminate your words so that we might know more about you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, as I've already said, when we left Paul and Barnabas off, they were adored by the people. Because, as we've mentioned, they they healed this man who was lame from his mother's womb. Well, out of nowhere, if you'll note, there is absolutely no... No reason to know why the Jews. And remember when it says the Jews, if you look again at verse 19, but Jews, when it mentions Jews in that fashion, it's talking about the religious leadership. It's not talking about the race of people. It's talking about the religious leadership. They came from Antioch and Iconium. Don't know why. But... We get a glimpse of it because it sees, we see it says they immediately, well, immediately, I added that word. But it says they won over the multitudes. And almost instantaneously, it looks like here they are, are worshiping the, Paul and Barnabas, and now they're going to stone them to death. What did they say? How did they turn the people against them so quickly? We're not told. We're just not told But they were effective. That's for certain. Some of the same people that wanted to worship Paul as a God, and he says, no, don't do that. We are of the same nature as you. 
Now they have turned savagely against him. Actually, their fickleness is common upon mankind. Uh, it's reminiscent of what the people did to, to Jesus Christ when he was in Jerusalem. They hailed him as the Messiah. They laid down uh, the, the, uh, the robes in the street so that he could, on a donkey, ride over these things. And they, they honored him. And then shortly thereafter, they called for his execution as well. Why Barnabas was not attacked, that again we do not know. More than likely, though, if you remember back at, at verse 12, it says in this place, it says they called Barnabas Zeus, they called Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. More than likely, he was just up front. He was the one that was going to be attacked. Now in verses 19 and 20, could be one of the most powerful moments in the life of Paul. An amazing event took place. They stone him, supposing, it says in verse 19, supposing that he would be dead. Then they dragged his body, it says, out of the city, dumped it, not even considering giving him a decent burial. He went from... A God to being dumped out of the city streets, laying there, supposedly dead. And what we note in verse 20 is this. The disciples stood around Paul, and all of a sudden he arose, he arises, he gets up, and he goes back into the city. And the next day he went away with Barnabas to Derby. Now, I say to you, this could be one of the most powerful moments in the life of Paul. Think about it. Why did he go back into the city? Only could have been a couple of reasons. He could have gone back to show everybody there he's still alive. He's okay. He could have gone back to, to really help them in their faith. To do more ministry. Maybe encourage someone. We don't know why. But what we do know is his strength, his commitment, his commitment to the church, his commitment to the people that he brought to Jesus Christ while he was there in that city. And amazingly, here's what it could be one of the most powerful moments. The next day, he and Barnabas take a 40-mile walk. Start on a 40-mile walk to Derby to minister to the people there. Figuring that this is all he could, they could do in this city, they go on to Derby. The trip alone would have been difficult, but for someone in Paul's condition who had just been supposedly stoned to death, it must have been dreadfully painful for him to take step after step after step to go towards Derby. But go to Derby he did. Nothing, nothing, folks, would discourage Paul. Not even being nearly stoned to death. What stops you and me? What, what can stop us from doing what God has called us to do? I look around here and I see people 
that encourage me, that are going through deep waters and are trusting in God. With the door of ministry closed in Lystra, Paul and Barnabas simply move on to minister elsewhere. You see, Paul was persistent. He was committed to... Listen. Listen to the words that he wrote in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16. You want to turn there? It's a real short little verse. Ephesians 5 verse 16. Paul makes a statement to the people in Ephesus. Ephesians, it's, if you go past First and Second Corinthians, you go to Galatians, and the next book is Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, and look at verse 16. He says in verse 15, Be careful how you walk. Don't walk as an unwise person, but as someone who is wise. And then he says in verse 16, Make the most of your time. Because, Paul realized as he wrote, the days are evil. The days are evil, folks. We need to make the most of our time because the days are evil. If you can look around and listen to, to talk radio or watch television and see the way our country is being bent, the way we are moving, and not think that we are in evil days, my hat's off to you, I guess. It, it utterly amazes me of where we see our country moving right now. The hatred, the separation of our nation in which we live. Paul, I believe, if he looked at this, this time in which we live, he'd say, you better make the most of it. You better make the most of your time. These days are evil. And you see, what he is telling us is that there is a purpose in our lives. There is a reason for us to be alive. There is something that we should accomplish while we are here. Now, for those of you that have been with us week in and week out, you already know. We've been, we've been called, every single one of us, to ministry. Every single one of us who have accepted Christ into our hearts, every single one of us has been given by God a spiritual gift to be used within the body of Christ. We know this. And Paul is saying, look at what you have. Look what has been given to you. Make the most of what you have. Days are evil. I didn't know this. We've been preaching, you know, on kind of spiritual gifts just going through the Bible, Acts. And I, I heard last week when we were in our prayer time that the Alma, who's in charge of the children's ministry, said we have more people sign up last week to help in the children's department than ever before. I thank you from the bottom of my heart if you were part of that. Of, of, of sensing that there is something that you can do, something that you can, someone, I should say, that you can touch making the most of the time that the Lord God has given you. Well, back to Acts chapter 14. In verses 21, 22, and 23, after doing their work in Derby, they now return. They go back through Lystra. They go through Iconium. They go through Antioch. Let me tell you folks something. With little care of their lives, because 
they have been threatened. They have been stoned, or Paul has been stoned supposedly to death. They still go back into the communities where they had shared their faith, reaching the people whom they loved, the people whom have come to Christ. They returned to the very place where the eminent danger was at its height. And for what reason? Let's familiarize ourselves. Look at verse 21, 22, and 23. Look, after they had preached the gospel to that city, that's Derby, they had made many disciples there. They returned to Lystra, and then to Iconium, and then to Antioch. Why? Watch. They were strengthening the souls of the disciples. They were encouraging them to continue in their faith. They were telling them through many tribulations, we must enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They went back into the communities to preach the gospel again, to teach the people again. They went back into the communities to strengthen their souls. They went back into those communities where they had been threatened to encourage those that they left behind to continue in their faith. They went back to build up the churches that they left with leadership. In verse 22, when it says to strengthen their souls, that ought to be the goal of every church that opens its doors whether you be a pastor or a staff member or an individual within the church, you or me. And we strengthen each other's soul by teaching and or learning the Word of God. Turn with me to Acts. You're in Acts. Acts chapter 20. Look at Acts chapter 20. Look what Luke writes in Acts chapter 20. Verses 31 and 32. Paul is saying, look. Verse 25, behold, he says, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. He said, I did not shrink from declaring you the whole purpose of God. Remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about, I believe it was in the book of, um, was it Jeremiah? Where it says that we are to be the watchmen. We are to be the ones that watch over. And we are to declare what the Lord God tells us to declare. It says not to do so. Not to declare what the Lord tells us to declare The blood of the people will be on our own hands. But to declare what the Lord tells us to declare and for a person not to respond after we've told them their blood is on their own hands. Look what is written here. It says, um, verse 26, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Because, he says in verse 27, I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. That is teaching all the things of God. 
be on the guard for yourselves and for the flock, it says in verse 28, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God with which He purchased with His own blood. He says in verse 29, I know that after my departure, savage wolves are going to come among you and not spare the flock. And From your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Churches will have people that will come in and not teach the Word of God. Teach a little thing there, a little thing there. Not even ask some people in the church to bring their Bibles. No need. Let's not offend those that visit us. He says, be on the alert from those types of people. Verse 31, therefore, be on the alert. Remember that night and day... For a period of three years, Paul is saying, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Verse 32 says, And now I commend you to God and to what? And to what? And to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. What builds you up, folks? The word. The word. Teaching and learning the Word of God is what will strengthen our souls, which will give us the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. In other words, all of us who are set apart. To be a believer, you have become set apart from this world in which we live now, today. The church's job is to encourage us. Church's job is to build us up. The church's job is to strengthen our souls and and to encourage us so that we will continue in our faith even through difficulties or trials that may come our way. And the elders and the leadership that is brought to the church is to help encourage us in that task. 1 Thessalonians Chapter 2, verse 11, just as the writer Paul writes, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father or a mother would their own children. How are we to help people grow? We're to be like parents. We're to love on one another like a, like a mom or dad would their kids. Ever notice, forgive me if this is way too personal, but you ever notice how I kind of can't wait for the kids to come up and see me? And do you ever notice how I get down on my knees? I want you to tell, I want to tell you something. It's getting to a place where I don't know if I can get down there anymore. But by golly, I will get on my knees for those kids. Look them in the face and tell them how much I love them. Try to be as loving as we possibly can to encourage them, to make them a feel like this is a place where they are welcomed and loved. And that's not just my job. It's all of ours. And so as you can see, you can turn back please to Acts 14. The strength for you and me to continue on in our faith has been given to us in and through God's Word. Jesus said, if, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, then you are truly 
disciples of mine. Over and over and over and over again, we see the emphasis placed on the importance of the Word of God to strengthen our souls and to encourage us to continue on in the faith. So as we see, Paul says, during this time, in verse 22, you're going to come upon many tribulations. In your walk and in my walk, in our walk towards Jesus Christ, there will be tribulations. I want you to see something in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Hold your place here. Turn to the right. You're going to go past the book of Romans and then 1st and then 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11... I would like to show you by reading to you Paul's statement about how much he suffered for the sake of Christ. This little place in Scripture will demonstrate why Paul is such a hero of mine and why I can't wait to see him one day in heaven. Just to watch him. I I don't have to talk to him. I just want to watch. He says in verse 22, are are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? Me too. No, he says, so am I. Verse 23, are they servants of Christ? He says, I speak as, as if insane. I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten with times without number, often in danger of death. Five times, he says, I received from the Jews, the religious leaders, 39 lashes. Five times, five times they strapped them to a a pole or whatever they did and gave them 39 lashes. Five times. Can you imagine what his back must have looked like? Three times, he says, I was beaten with rods. Once, I was stoned. We just read about it. Here in Acts, he was stoned. Supposedly, they thought he was dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys, he says, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own countrymen, dangers from my own countrymen. Dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the cities, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Verse 28, apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure upon me of concern for all The churches. It's amazing that Paul mentions churches along with being beaten. You know, sometimes what happens to a person in the confines and supposedly the family atmosphere of a church, some of the deepest hurts can sometimes occur. 
That's what Paul went through. You know he went through it? I don't know if he knew it. He went through it for you and for me. He went through it for the generations that followed after him so that they would know for certain that they had the Word of God being preached to them. And today we have churches that are putting this aside, giving people fairy tales and, and, and wonderful stories to encourage them so that you can walk away from church feeling good about yourself. When in fact the Bible teaches us that there is nothing good about ourselves. There is only good about our Lord. And He then makes something good of us. Watch. Watch. It's amazing. Watch how this fits together. Watch how it all brings, up, brings itself together. Jesus Christ, if you turn, well, you can turn back to Acts, but we're just going to briefly look over the last two verses. But Jesus said this Himself concerning difficulties that will come your way and my way. He said, Jesus said, I have spoken to you so that... In me, says Jesus Jesus Christ, in me, he says, you'll have peace. In the world, he says, you're going to have tribulation. In me, in Jesus, you're going to have peace. In the world, you're going to have problems. But, he says, take courage. I have, Jesus Christ says, I have what, do you know? I have overcome the world. Love you, Bill. I have overcome the world. Take courage. I've overcome the world. What is it that you're going through? Jesus Christ says, take courage. I've overcome that. Stop fighting against it. Jesus is doing it for you and for me. He is very capable if we'll put the battle in His hands. And so in verses 24 to 28, Paul and Barnabas go on this journey and now they're going to come back to Antioch. They're going to come back from the home port that they left and they're going to come back to their home place where they were sent to do these things and they've come back to report to the people what took place. What happened this time that we were gone? True to their calling, though, look at verse 25. It's just almost like a throw-in. On their way back to Antioch, when they had spoken the word in Perga, they then went down to Atalilia. I was trying like crazy to practice that. Atilia. Atilia. That's the way it's supposed to be said, I think. They didn't go directly home. They stopped. They stopped and ministered to people that needed to hear the Word of God. And so it says in verse 27, when they got back to Antioch, they reported. They reported to the people when they arrived and gathered the church together, verse 27, they began to report all the things that They had done... No, no. No. Paul and Barnabas never once thought that this was their responsibility. Never once. 
I give to you, verse 27, they reported all the things that God had done with them and how God had opened the doors of faith for them to the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas did not take credit for what took place. Rather, they were content to say, The Lord, the Lord God Almighty opened the doors for us. I don't know what it is you're going through. If, in fact, anything, right now, life might be just as, as, as wonderful as it's, if it's ever been. What we can rest assured is in this life there will be tribulations. We'll all go through them to one degree or another. But true to every single one of us that's seated here tonight, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, true to every single one of us, if God does not open the doors, there is no chance for success. Therefore, let him take control of your life. He truly knows what is best for you and for me. He truly knows. Father God, one of the greatest privileges that we have ever, ever received was the opportunity to know you. That's been given equally to every person. You can't buy your way in. You cannot work your way in. It comes by faith and faith alone, and every single one of us can exercise faith in Jesus Christ. That's a decision we make. Some will do so willingly, eagerly. Others will do do it with You know, just fearful. What have I done now? And others will reject. Just won't accept. What we must remember that you've taught us is our fate is in our own hands. We hold our own fate. You've done everything that you could do for every single one of us. Now the decision is ours whether we'll accept what you've done or not. Once we do, once we do make that decision, Father, then true to every single one of us who knows you is if you open the doors, praise God. If you do not open the doors, praise God. For there is no chance for success until we allow you to take control of our lives. So, Father, bless us as we go from here. Thank you what we've learned from Paul, even in this short time of watching his ministry. The strength of character of that man is, goes beyond anything I've ever known or anyone I've ever known. And he did it all, Father, passing along the wonders of your truth for us. And today... Some churches and some denominations have just pushed it aside as if it were of no value. May we never do that. May we be faithful to your word, dear Father. 
May we take the heritage that Paul has passed along from one generation and on to the next. And may we, by your grace, Father, pass it along to the generation that comes after us. Thank you for this time that we've had together this evening. God bless Rob and Trish, Father, as they, they journey off on their they're married together. I pray you'll bless them. And I pray your blessings upon everyone here. Whatever it is that we might be going through, will you bless us, Father? In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you very much. Thanks, Rob.